the course of six weeks during the summer of 1788, in an extraordinary burst of creativity, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart composed three absolutely remarkable symphonies. They would be his last works in this form and his finest. Indeed, they would stand as perhaps the greatest symphonic compositions of the classical period and among the most beautiful of any era. Yet an element of mystery surrounds this final trilogy, as it is called. For despite the efforts of all Mozart's biographers, we cannot say why the composer wrote these three works or whether he even heard them performed. Hello, this is Gerard Schwartz from Musically Speaking. On this recording, we will examine two parts of Mozart's great final trilogy, the Symphony No. 40 in G minor, catalog number K550, and Symphony No. 41 in C major, the so-called Jupiter Symphony, catalog number K551. But before we get to the music itself, let's put these pieces in some context with regard to Mozart's life and time. Along with Franz Joseph Haydn, his friend and compatriot, Mozart was the most brilliant composer of the classical era. He was born in 1756 into a musical family in Salzburg, Austria, and showed exceptional talent from an early age. By the time he was four years old, he was already playing pieces on the piano. At six, he wrote his first compositions. His father, Leopold Mozart, was a composer and violinist with the Municipal Orchestra in Salzburg, so he made sure that his son received a thorough and intense musical education. Soon, he saw the opportunity to exploit Wolfgang's genius by promoting concerts and touring with the child prodigy. At the age of seven, Wolfgang, his parents, and his older sister started on a three-and-a-half-year journey that took them across much of Western Europe, performing at royal courts and for the public. Everywhere he appeared, people were astonished that one so young could be such an accomplished musician. By the time Mozart was ten, he had become a very cosmopolitan and sophisticated child. Mozart spent the next decade traveling back and forth to Vienna and Italy from his native Salzburg. When he was thirteen, he joined his father in the employment of the Prince Archbishop of Salzburg. But this position had a drawback. Mozart and his father had to ask the archbishop for permission every time they wanted to travel. This caused many difficulties since the archbishop wanted them to spend more time in Salzburg performing and composing just for himself. Ironically, as Mozart matured, his professional prospects faded. Since he was no longer the child prodigy whose youthful accomplishments seemed so remarkable, he now faced the difficult and uncertain task of securing a suitable position. Mozart increasingly found the musical life of Salzburg too provincial and too stifling. He longed to prove himself in some larger cultural center. In 1773, when he was 17, Mozart and his father traveled to Vienna, capital of the great Austrian Empire. They stayed over two months, but failed to secure a royal or aristocratic patron. In fact, the Empress Maria Theresa found Leopold Mozart commonplace and exploitive, and in private she scornfully compared the Mozarts to touring acrobats. After another four years in Salzburg and turning 21, Wolfgang determined to take another grand tour despite the archbishop's disapproval. Wolfgang was fired, and his father had to stay behind in Salzburg to keep his own position. Chaperoned by his mother, Mozart traveled to Munich, Mannheim, and Paris in search of a patron. The year-long trip was a professional and emotional disaster. He fell in love with and was rejected by a young woman in Mannheim, and then his mother fell ill and died of a fever in Paris. He eventually returned home empty-handed and had to beg the archbishop to reinstate him. Mozart remained in Salzburg for the next two years, growing increasingly adept as a composer and increasingly restless in his service to the Salzburg ruler. 
the archbishop treated him rudely and had no appreciation of his superior talent. A confrontation was brewing, and in the spring of 1781 it finally boiled into the open. The archbishop had temporarily moved his court to Vienna for the coronation of the late Maria Theresa's eldest son, Joseph II. Mozart was summoned to the archbishop's palace in the capital for what was to be the final showdown, although neither one yet knew it. The archbishop's first order was that Mozart could not play anywhere else in Vienna, which cost the composer considerable fees and visibility. He also ordered Mozart to eat in the kitchen with the rest of the servants, which rankled him even more. Mozart, after all, as a child of six, had climbed onto the late empress's lap and kissed her for a compliment. Here is part of the letter that Mozart wrote to his father from Vienna during that period. April 4, 1781. I may say that yesterday I was very pleased with the Viennese public. I played at the Widow's Concert at the Tour Theater and had to begin all over again because of the interminable clapping. Then how much do you suppose I should make if I gave a concert on my own, now that the public knows me? But this arch-clown of ours will not permit it. He would rather see his dependents worse off than better. Still, he will not altogether succeed in bringing this about in my case, for with two pupils I am better off here than in Salzburg. I could dispense with his board and lodging. Further in the same letter, If I stay here, I can promise you that I shall soon be able to send money home. I am speaking seriously. And if things turn out otherwise, I shall come back. Well, adieu. You shall have the full story in my next. I kiss your hand a thousand times. Embrace my sister warmly. Ever your most obedient son, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. My compliments to all. P.S. I assure you that Vienna is a magnificent place, the best place in the world for my profession. Everyone will tell you the same. Moreover, I like being here, and consequently am making all the profit out of it I can. I promise you that my one objective is to make as much money as possible, for after health it is the thing most worth having. Think no more of my follies. I have long repented of them from the bottom of my heart. Misfortunes teach one sense and my head is now full of quite other thoughts. Adieu. A full account in my next. Wolfgang was soon fed up with the archbishop's treatment. When the archbishop ordered Mozart to return to Salzburg, he refused and asked instead to be dismissed. He got his wish along with literally a kick in the seat of his pants by the archbishop's steward. Mozart quickly wrote an explanation to his father. May 9, 1781. When I came into the presence of Archbishop Colorado, I must tell you first that it occurred to me to make an excuse that his diligence would accept, a reason which would have greater weight with him than the true one. Well, as I came into his presence, his first words were, Well, when are you going, fellow? I had intended to go tonight, but the places were taken. Then he began, without a pause for breath, I was the most slovenly fellow he knew. No one served him so ill as I. I had better leave today, or he would write home and have my salary stopped. It was impossible to get a word in edgewise, for he raged on like a conflagration. I listened to it passively. He lied to my face that my salary was five hundred florins, called me a scoundrel, a lousy rascal, a vagabond. Oh, I cannot write it all down. At length, my blood boiling, I could no longer keep silent and said, Then is your grace dissatisfied with me? What, he said, you would threaten me, would you? Oh, you idiot, there is the door. I will have no more words with such a wretch. Do you hear well? Go. And in going, I said, this is final. Tomorrow you shall have my resignation in writing. Mozart decided to remain in Vienna, 
and was destined to see Salzburg only once, and his father just twice more. Mozart set about establishing himself as what we would call today a freelance musician. This was, and still is, a precarious existence. However, the Austrian capital was then perhaps the most musically active city in the world. Joseph II, the Habsburg Emperor, supported two opera companies, and music provided a favored activity for many of the city's more privileged families. Within a short time, Mozart began to thrive in this congenial atmosphere. He gave lessons, which he did not always enjoy, but which did provide a steady income. He composed music extensively and performed as a pianist in chamber music concerts given at the city's grander houses. On Christmas Eve that year, Mozart took part in a famous piano duel at court with another celebrated keyboard virtuoso, Muzio Clementi. The emperor attended along with the Grand Duchess of Russia. Mozart also secured a commission to write an opera, The Abduction from the Seraglio, which enjoyed a considerable success after its premiere in 1782. Its long, elaborate arias led the emperor to comment, Too many notes, my dear Mozart. In the spring of 1782, Mozart decided to marry Constanza Weber, the sister of his Mannheim infatuation. Not as pretty as her sister, perhaps, but all the same attractive, attentive, and a good manager. Mozart wrote to his father for his consent, but Leopold withheld it until the eleventh hour, unaware that Mozart had plans to go ahead anyway. After Mozart's marriage to Constanza, they took up an elegant residence in Vienna. Mozart's personality continued to be a hindrance to him.